Well, good morning, church. I'm excited that God is restoring images here and now, in this hour, in this place, and folks watching online. It's, uh, it's great to be wrapping up this series and uh, to be in the room here with you. Uh, I get a kickoff uh, next week as well in generosity. Uh, here in this room is one of my favorite things to talk about. And last week, uh, Chad set up his message, uh, which was an amazing message, in saying that his sermon was not going to be an award-winning sermon. It was going to be a good sermon, and Trevor's was going to be a good sermon, but it wasn't really an award-winning sermon. So I thought, hey, I should work really hard this week and try to preach an award-winning sermon, right? Now, I think Chad's sermon was award-winning. He was being a little bit hard on himself, but he's been an amazing speaker, Trevor, Grace Marie, in this series, in this room, helping people to discover their God-given purpose and understand that we are image bearers of the one true king. Now, also, Chad, and during his messages, has been vulnerable with you, sharing a little bit about uh, his feminine side as well as his masculine side and how normal that is. And so he actually showed some pictures last week of some friends sitting from uh, Texas. And so I didn't know these pictures were out here, Chad, but uh, so these pictures here <laughs> of, uh, of me on, on, on you know, kind of my masculine side as well. And, uh, you know, me being a little bit of a uh, polo, you can go to the next, I think we've seen enough of that, uh, the polo one there. And, you know, and, but I also have a feminine side and I love to cook. I love to be in the kitchen. And so, uh, this is one of my favorite pictures here, uh, in the kitchen cooking. And then this must've been one Lynn had hidden away somewhere, but I didn't know this about myself. Um, so, uh, anyway, having a little fun there. Now, again, as we think about being image bearers, Sometimes we want to portray ourselves in a certain image and uh, pretend to be somebody that we're not. And we are called to be image bearers of the one true king. And it's also very, very important that we not remake God in our image, that we take God and make him how we want him to be so that we can be who we want to be. In fact, Paul, in writing to the Romans, he says, Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to the humanity, but in the end will lead to destruction. So our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we're not called to remake God in our image. We are called to be restored into the image of God. So I want to talk to you today about three things. Uh, the first is we are called to be reconciled image bearers. And once we're reconciled, we can be restored image bearers. And with being reconciled and restored, we can be, there's responsibilities that come with being an image bearer. So I want to begin by talking about reconciled image bearers. I want to read to you from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? This is incredible news for us today. We don't want to miss it. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. 
Father God, we thank you that you've given us this incredible gift. That through Jesus Christ, you have brought us into relationship with you. And that you've called us in this relationship with you to go and be reconcilers. You've called us to be ambassadors. You've called us to go and invite people to come back to God, come back to you. So Father God, speak to us today. Speak through me. May I be an ambassador for you today. And may you inspire all of us to be ambassadors for you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now in this passage, Paul talks about being, being reconciled. And reconciliation in the English means the restoration of friendly relations. Now hold on to that because there may be a situation, a circumstance that God is calling you to go and restore a friendly relationship. Biblically, reconciliation means simply this, a change in relationship between God and people. A change in relationship between people and people. And reconciliation recognizes there's been a breakdown in the relationship. The, 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 the relationship has been broken, but there's been a reconciliation. There's been a change from a state of hostility and separation to harmony and fellowship. Now, one of the things that's been declared throughout this sermon series is that this image that we are to bear, we are created in the image of God, that this image has been broken because of sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means we've fallen short of being image bearers for God because of sin. And all of us in this room are affected by that. Romans 6.23 says, but the wages of sin is death. It's a strong statement, isn't it? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God has given an incredible gift. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And because of the change or reconciliation with God, we begin, become new creatures. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, reconciliation with God is only possible through the life death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You cannot, I cannot reconcile myself with God. I cannot be good enough. I cannot give enough. I cannot ask enough. I've got to receive what God has done for me through Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, broken, Christ died for us. How much more then, being now justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more, being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Furthermore, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have now received reconciliation. How about with me, say out loud, thank you, God, for reconciling me. Thank you, God. Amen. That, that's, that's a great news that I get to share with you that God's plan is reconciliation with his people. Reconciliation 
is a gift from God. Reconciliation must be received by faith. Reconciliation requires repentance on our part. We've got to repent and say to God, God, forgive me. I have sinned against you. I confess that and repent. And reconciliation must precede restoration. Reconciliation must precede restoration. We can't try to fix ourselves up. We can't try to restore our image on our own. It requires receiving what God has done, repenting, and then allowing his reconciliation power to change us. So secondly today, we are called to be restored image bearers. But it's not transactional, it's transformational. It's not some transaction you make with God. It's inviting God to transform us from the inside out by making us new people. Today, if you're listening today, you can be made a new person through Jesus Christ. I can't do that for you. Your best friend can't do that for you. Your parents can't do that for you. Your spouse can't do that for you. No substance can do that for you. No promotion can do that for you. No job can do that for you. But Jesus Christ can do that for you. He can make you a new person today. I love these words from Colossians, uh, reading from the message paraphrase uh, from Colossians 1. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. When people ask me why I believe in God, I've got all kinds of case studies. I've got people who I know were here, addicted, defeated, controlled, guilty, struggling, depressed, and they met Jesus Christ and they're over here. And they're walking as a free person, as a new person, a transformed person, living a free life, a changed life, a case study. You yourselves, and there's all across this room today, there are case studies of what God has done. He says, at one time, you all had your backs turned to God, all of us, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got, but now, again, that phrase, but now, but now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence you don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, completely tuned into the message, the scriptures, careful not to be distracted, not to be diverted. There is no other message, just this one. There's no other message, just this one. Now, out of that text from Colossians, a couple phrases jump out at me. One is your case study of what God has done. But God has, Christ has brought you to God's side and put your lives together. How many of you will testify that God put your life together? Can I get an amen to that? You know, I wouldn't be up here today had God not put my life together. My life was broken. My life had no future, but thanks be to God, he put my life together. And here's what he says, whole and holy. Now, I want you to hear this today, that God wants you to be whole. He wants to put you back together and, and, and heal the wounds in your life and make you whole. But Christians don't miss the fact that he calls us also to be holy. Whole and holy. And one of my lover's quarrels with the people called Methodist is we like to hang our hat on this phrase. But you know, I'm just a sinner. You know, I'm just a struggling sinner. 
as a way to rationalize some of the decisions that we make. But my friends, when we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, we've been restored in the image of God, we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. Hear this, church. We are called to choose not to sin. Doesn't mean we won't sin again. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to be holy people. That is the image of God, is to walk in the image of God, to bear his image, and God is holy. Now, we're broken, we struggle, but we are to be on a journey toward holiness. God has called us to be holy. Jesus says, be ye holy as your Father in heaven is holy. Now, what does he mean by that holiness? He, needs, he means to be holy in your love for God, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And secondly, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor through the power of the Holy Spirit in holiness. Now, throughout Scripture, we, we see case studies. Case studies of reconciliation that led to restoration. And I could pick out many stories in the Scriptures, but one, one of the stories that comes to mind is, is the story of Joseph. Joseph had to be one of the most mistreated people in the Old Testament. If you don't know the story of Joseph, you can go to Genesis chapter 37 through 50 and read the story of Joseph, how mistreated he was by his family, by his friends, by, by people in authority. And yet he stayed connected to God and, and God used that reconciliation to restore him into the, as an image bearer and he was able to reconcile with a family that treated him so badly. Because of reconciliation, he was able to reconcile with his father, with his brothers, with his extended family. He was able to save his family from starving, from, uh, from, from famine. And I believe there's people listening today who you've been reconciled by Almighty God. You've been restored in the image of God and he's now calling you to go and do some reconciliation. It may be that family member, it may be that coworker, but there's a, we're called to be reconcilers for the glory of God. He was able to display his faith in God's providence. And hear, hear this about Joseph. He was able to point the way to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would come and rescue his people and save his people. Now, in the New Testament, a few weeks ago, Grace Marie preached an award-winning sermon and she talked about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. He was a tax collector. He was a cheater. He was a thief. He was a liar. But through Jesus Christ, he was reconciled to God. And he was transformed. His, his image was restored. And he began a ministry of reconciliation. He repaid all those he had cheated four times the amount he had cheated them. He gave away half of his wealth. He was able to live his life with a clear conscience. He was able to restore his reputation as one of humility and trust and compassion. He was seen as a changed image bearer of Almighty God because he had been reconciled and restored. So with reconciliation and with restoration comes responsibility. There's responsibility 
church, if you have experienced the reconciling power of Jesus Christ in your life, you've been restored into becoming a person more like Jesus Christ, there is some responsibility. Now, a couple weeks ago, I preached over in the sanctuary and I talked about Missio Dei. The responsibility is the mission of God. In Mark and Luke, we read these words, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The mission of God is Jesus came to this world to reveal God to us. Jesus came to this world in his mission to reconcile us to God, to redeem us from our shame, to restore our identity as image bearers of the creator and to make us partners in reconciliation. That his power working in us would lead us to reconcile broken relationships. And then hear this church. Everyone listening today who has been reconciled through Jesus Christ, made right with God through Jesus Christ, you are called, I am called to be an ambassador for God. Second Corinthians, again, I read this earlier, and he has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ, say it with me, we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. That's a big responsibility. God is making his appeal through you. This is not some of you are ambassadors or two or three of you are ambassadors. If you're a Christ follower, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. He says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Friends, we're called to be ambassadors of the King of Kings. We're called to be ambassadors of the Lord of Lords. I love this book. This is a book that I get. Uh, Lynn and I have been blessed several times to go to the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., where Five or 6,000 people gather to pray in our nation's capital. Uh, people from over, over 80 countries come to this great gathering. And the people that put this together, and the former Governor uh, Beasley here in David Beasley in South Carolina is one of the co-chairs of this, but they give away this little testament, this little book. And it's a very nondescript book, and on the outside just says Jesus. And, and, and the first four chapters of this book is, is, is according to Luke, according to Matthew, according to Mark, and according to John. There are no verse, verses, there's no uh, verse one or verse two, just, just paragraphs. And, and, the, and the fifth chapter in this book, I love it, is called The Acts of the Ambassadors. The Acts of the Ambassadors, because that's exactly who the early church was. They were ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And you and I are called by scripture to be ambassadors. And when you hear the word ambassador, you probably think of a politician, right? Somebody who represents our nation uh, in far off lands or a diplomat whose job is to be a go-between between foreign countries, a person that might negotiate agreements or treaties or be a peacemaker. In, in, in the Greek, in, in here in Corinthians, ambassador means to function as a representative, a representative of Almighty God. Now, one of my high and holy moments, you know, as a pastor, was the blessed privilege to pray over and anoint, uh, at that time, Governor Nikki Haley over in the sanctuary just weeks before she went to New York to be the ambassador to the UN. And we prayed for God's Holy Spirit to be upon her and for her to, to go and, and, and represent Jesus Christ in the world. And I reminded her that when you get up and leave this church and you go out the front doors of the sanctuary, and some of you know what's hanging above those doors is this sign, you're now entering the mission field. 
By the grace of God, we sent Ambassador Nikki Haley to go out into the world and be a representative of Jesus Christ. Now, the only ambassador I know personally from a political standpoint is Nikki Haley. In order to have an award-winning sermon, I thought it might be good for me to reach out to Nikki and say, would you explain to me your job description as an ambassador? And then how do you see that ambassadorship playing out as a Christ follower? And she shared some really good things with me, and I want to share them with you today. She said, the most important key to me being an ambassador is I have to love America. You cannot defend or fight for something you do not have faith or love for. Secondly, she says, as an ambassador, I had to strive to represent and live the values America is known for, not just in my words, but in my actions. And as an ambassador, I had to spread the word that America is the best country in the world because of our leadership and desire to bring peace to the world. And finally, she says, to be an ambassador, you have to be willing to fight for anything that wants to destroy America. And that includes defending America against the lies that are often spread about her. And then I said, well, what about you being an ambassador for Christ? What does that mean to you based on your experience as an ambassador at the UN? And I love what she said. She says, you must have a faith in Jesus and love him and all he represents. You must live in a way that exemplifies Christian values. You have to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and all the good that comes to those who believe in him. And then you have to fight against anything or anyone who tries to misrepresent Christianity and be willing to fight the elements that want to destroy it. Now, I believe that's a wonderful example of what Paul was talking about that we must represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in this world today. And I believe that Nikki Haley was a great ambassador for the United States. She stood up for the U.S. She stood up against those vulnerable countries that people were trying to destroy. Especially she stood up for Israel. And again, if you could, if a, if a non-Israeli could run for president of Israel, she'd get elected like that because she was willing to confront the terrorists of the world who tried to destroy that country. And I believe that God has big plans for her. And I want you to join me in praying that God would show her his direction for her life. And God has put her in a critical place for a critical time, and, and may God bless her as she seeks that. You know, we, we cannot be an ambassador for God unless we understand God's mission. And God's mission is to save the world. And God's mission is for people to be in relationship with him. And as ambassadors, we represent the king of kings. And we go and talk about his kingdom. As ambassadors, we go tell the hope we found in Jesus Christ. Now hear me. You are not to be an ambassador of Mount Horeb. You're not to be an ambassador of the United Methodist Church. We are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Amen? We represent the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our king. He is our Lord. Now, as ambassadors, we've got to show respect to other people. You know, they, they've got to respect us. We've got to be, know that we got to know that we're being watched, everything we do and everything we say. And we've got to stand firm in our allegiance to our king. Because oftentimes, ambassadors find themselves on foreign soil. You and I, friends, as Christians, 
find ourselves on foreign soil. First Peter says it this way, friends, this world is not your home. You're an alien here, it says. So don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they will be won over to God's side and be there in the celebration when he returns. I love how C.S. Lewis said it. He said it this way. When we Christians, when we ambassadors behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. You hear that? When we fail to be ambassadors that bring glory to God, we make Christianity unbelievable to those who are outside of faith. He goes on to say, our careless lives set the outer world talking and we give them grounds for talking in a way that throws doubt on the very truth of Christianity. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that causes someone to doubt the validity of Christianity because of how I behave. So God help me and God help us all to be good ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are called to make an appeal to the world for Jesus Christ. You make, we're called to make an appeal to our neighborhood for Jesus Christ, not to repel people from Christ, but to appeal to them for Christ. It's a big difference. The other day, I was uh, a couple days ago, I was out, I uh, went by the driving range, I was gonna hit a few uh, practice golf balls, and I, I saw this young man, I'd seen him before, and, and he kind of looked like me a little bit when I was in high school, you know, he had long hair, and he could do this, and the hair would all fall into place, and it was kind of cool, and, uh, and I actually had, to, had just had a picture of myself, and so I walked up to this guy, I said, you don't know me from Adam, and uh, I said, but I kind of looked like you when I was in high school, believe it or not, I, I was, you know, I was, you know you're, you're me. And so I pulled up a picture. I said, this is me. He says, okay. Anyway, and, and, and I said, you know, and I, I told him I was a pastor of Mount Horeb and, and his name is Jack. And he said these words to me. He says, uh, what time does church start Sunday? And I said, nine or 1045. He said, I'll see you there. And this morning, Jack was at nine o'clock service sitting right over there to my right, doing his hair like that. It was really good. Uh, and, and I was trying to get my hair to lay down, you know? So but, you know, it's a simple way to be an ambassador, right? We're to make an appeal on behalf of Jesus to, 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 to reach out to people, to reflect the glory of God. You know, I love Romans 1, 7 says, you are who you are through this gift and call of Jesus Christ. And 1 John says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's a strong, strong word there. I said this a few weeks ago. Believing in Jesus will get people to heaven. Living like Jesus will bring heaven to people. When we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we will bring heaven to people. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your body is a house of God where the Holy Spirit lives? And God gave you his Holy Spirit. Now you belong to God. You don't belong to yourselves. If you're a Christ follower... God lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Your house, your body is a house of God. You know, Jesus was a walking temple. He, he, that you, you didn't find God in the temple in, in Jerusalem. You found him in Jesus. And today, you and I are called to be mobile temples for God. 
And hear this, as mobile temples, we are to control our own bodies and be good caretakers of God's temple. So our bodies are temples for God, hear this, not amusement parks. Too oftentimes we use our bodies as amusement parks to please ourselves. But God gave us this body to glorify him, to be his image bearers in the world. Now, God made us for pleasure, amen? But pleasure that honors him and glorifies him and represents his image. And we never use our bodies to harm ourselves or harm someone else. That does not bring glory to God. Now, the mission of God is not lip service, but it's living out as ambassadors every day. I love First Thessalonians. I sent it to some pastors this morning that I was texting with. First Thessalonians says this, for we speak as messengers from God, trusted by him, hear this, trusted by him to tell the truth. We change his message not one bit to suit the taste of those who hear it, for we serve God alone who examines our heart's deepest thoughts. As his ambassadors, we speak what the king has said. We speak what his word says. Now, as ambassadors, we're gonna be influencers. And everyone in this room listening to me online have been influenced by somebody. It's been a teacher, a coach, a pastor, a friend, a family member. And we're gonna influence others. But some of you are listening to this sermon, you're going, you know, the ambassador thing, I, I, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm not an extrovert, I'm an introvert. The Bible doesn't qualify who's gonna be an ambassador. We're all called to be ambassadors. Every one of us. Every one of us is gonna make an influence in this world. It, the studies show that even the most introverted person influences 10,000 people in their lifetime. Even the most introverted person influences 10,000 people. So you think that you're too small or too insignificant to be an influence. I love this African proverb, put it up there. If you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito, right? You know that one mosquito that just won't let you go? That annoying mosquito that keeps buzzing around your head? We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to be an influence for Jesus Christ. As an influencer, one person can stop a great injustice one person can be a voice of truth. One person's kindness can save a life. You are called to go and be an image bearer. This past week, a week ago, Lynn and I were in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, at Asbury Seminary, a.k.a. the Promised Land. And we were there and, and, and just blessed to be around godly people. An incredible uh, institution doing amazing things in the world. And I heard this incredible story. It was a story about a Chinese university student in China. Her, her, her mom and dad were atheists, raised her to be an atheist. She was attending Chinese university. Her professor was an atheist. And her professor was teaching on religion. And he was teaching about American religion. And he says, in America... The number one religion is Christianity. That's what the Chinese are teaching their students, that Christianity is the number one religion. 
And he went on to explain Christianity. He says, Christianity believes that God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world that if anybody would believe in him, they would not perish, but could have eternal life and new life. And that Chinese college student, that young woman who was raised by her parents as an atheist, she put her head down on her desk and prayed and invited Jesus Christ into her heart. And today, she's a PhD student at Asbury Seminary, being prepared to go back to China to be an ambassador for the one true king. Amen? So, amen. You can celebrate that. So don't think that you can't make an influence. If God can use an atheistic Chinese professor to reach an atheistic young college student, then God can use you. And the question is, will you maximize your influence for the King of Kings? Will you be an ambassador of the one true king? So let me ask you a question. I thought about this a lot. What is an award-winning sermon? The Lord has convicted me of this truth, that if only one person listening today decides to bow their head and invite Jesus Christ into their life, it is an award-winning sermon. If one person listening today is reconciled with God, it is an award-winning sermon. What is an award-winning sermon? If you will make a commitment to go be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, to go represent the King of Kings in this world, it is an award-winning sermon. Amen? Let me pray for you. Almighty and gracious God, I pray that right now, someone listening in this room or in their home or in their car, that right now they will join me in praying to invite Jesus Christ into their life. That they'll receive this gift that you want to give. The gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And if we confess our sins to you right now and ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us, cleanse us and change us that you will right now and that we can become a new person right now. And I pray for that person, Father God, that you know has just prayed to you become a believer. And I pray that that person not only will be a believer, but they'll be prepared to be an ambassador. And Father God, I pray for the person listening right now that needs to go be a reconciler. There's brokenness in their family. There's brokenness in their neighborhood. There's brokenness in their job place. And I pray, Lord God, that you would use the power that you put in their life through Jesus Christ to help them go be an agent of reconciliation. And Father God, I pray that everyone listening to your word today, Lord God, that we will commit to be an, a, an ambassador for you. They will represent the, you, Father God, will represent Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and will behave well for your glory. And we need your help, Father God, because we tend to behave badly. But God, with your help, we'll be representatives of Jesus in this world. And for those to whom love is a stranger, they will experience the love, your love, Father God. So God, raise this church up all across this campus, to be all across this community, all across this world, being an ambassadors for Jesus Christ. 
And Father God, may you receive all the glory. And may we all be just as annoyed as one mosquito changing the world one person at a time. And I ask all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And Father God, as we close this prayer, Lord, you've called us to be people who invite you to be magnified in us. Today, Lord, Lord God, may you be imminent in our lives. May we leave here today magnifying you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.